Good morning, everyone. Well, that is the most fish caught with the least amount of effort, hey? How many of you like fishing? A few of you, okay. That's cool. Um, who would like to come up this morning and have a little fishing contest? Yeah. Who else? I need one other person. Yeah, come on up, Maxwell. Senate and Max. Okay. So you can each go up to your buckets. I think, do we have a one minute counter timer? Nope, we don't. Okay, we're just gonna, I'm gonna do a timer on my phone. We're gonna, that's all good, it's all good. We're gonna give you guys, we're gonna, uh, just put them down on the ground, it's okay. Okay, you guys have one minute, when I say go, to get as many duckies out of the buckets as possible. Ready, set, go. Oh. Oh, you're, you're close, you're close. Oh, you had it there for a sec, Max. Oh, oh. Senate dropped it back. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have any music. I would make this more intense. Got one, got one, okay, okay. <laughs> this music is hilarious. <laughs> So great. Okay, it's a tie. It's a tie. You guys have, you guys have 20 seconds left. Oh, come on, come on. You guys can cheer for Max. You guys can cheer for Senna. Let's go. Let's get this. It is harder than it looks. It's true. Okay. Oh, time's up. Time's up. What's the score? Oh. Four to. Five. All right. Good job, you guys. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, you can put them back in. Thanks. Oh, these are tangled. Thank you, guys. Well, we will untangle those later. Okay. That was great. So, so far this week, we have talked about chair one, where you're curious about Jesus and you're open to learning more about him. We've talked about chair two, where you've undergone this life transformation as you confess your need for him and receive his forgiveness, you choose to follow Jesus. And today we're gonna ch dive into chair three, where you share the gospel and your experiences with God with others. Because as we grow and mature in our faith, our focus begins to shift from just looking at ourselves to considering the needs of others. And it doesn't mean that we've got lots of training, we've got it all together, but someone in chair three steps out in faith and gets to experience God working through them. And it's really exciting to see God use you to touch others. And at the same time, being in this chair can be painful because there's a lot of maturing and discipline that has to be done in our own lives. But we're called to live in a new way in step with the Spirit, which means saying no to our selfish passions and seeking God's will above our own will. So in the book, Four Chair Discipling, which is where we got this whole four chair idea, um, the author uses an, an example of Jesus's own disciples um, and how they followed Jesus in their real lives. Um, and so I just wanted to um, read it for you. It, the story is found in the end of Luke chapter 4 and the start of Luke chapter 5, if you want to read it for yourself later. 
So Jesus had just returned with his disciples from a missions trip, preaching in the synagogues of Galilee with his disciples. The trip could have taken as long as two months because they visited all the synagogues in Galilee. However long the trip was exactly, it's clear that Jesus' disciples were away from their fishing business for a period of time. Upon returning, I'm sure they felt the pressure of paying the bills and meeting the needs of everyday life. I'm sure Peter's wife, I like to call her Ruthie, liked that her husband spent time with Jesus, who had healed her mother. Even so, I'm sure she was still very concerned about meeting the family's daily needs. So after a long missions trip with Jesus, Peter and his buddies returned to their fishing business to earn a living, only to spend the night catching nothing. I'm sure they were not in a good mood. Ruthie was not going to be happy. They had been serving with Jesus, and now this is what they get? A crowd had gathered on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee to buy fish from the night's catch. This time, there was nothing to buy. Jesus comes walking by the marketplace, and the crowds immediately begin to gather around him. You get the impression that the disciples are off to the side, not involved with the teaching. Perhaps they're still steaming because they've just spent a night of hard work with no fish to show for it. Jesus climbs in Peter's boat and pushes out from the shore. Peter is probably washing the nets with the other disciples, wrapping up the disappointing night's work. Jesus tells Peter to put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter responds begrudgingly. We've worked hard all night, and I haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. From this text, we can glean several insights into the characteristics of chair three people. First and foremost, the disciples were available. They were present and allowed Jesus to use their boat. When Jesus called them into service, they were willing to respond. Second, they were faithful as they responded to Jesus' difficult request. He told them to put their nets down out into the deep for a catch. They had fished all night and had caught nothing. The morning hours were not the time to try again, and definitely not out in the deep, as it was in the shallow of the spring waters of the northern shores where the fish gathered. But they obeyed, faithfully doing as Jesus requested. Third, they were teachable, willing to do what the master requested even though they had worked hard all night and caught nothing. Against all practical wisdom, they were willing to learn any new lessons that only obedience could bring them. Fourth, they were enthusiastic about the new lessons they were learning. When they saw what Jesus did, which was fill their nets with more fish than they could have imagined, Peter was quick to call in his partners. I can imagine the excitement as both boats almost, be, almost sank due to the large catch of fish. When Peter saw this, he dropped to his knees and exclaimed, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. And finally, they were responsive to Jesus and his leadership as they responded again to his repeated challenge to come and catch people. They were not perfect, but they were seeking after more. They were available, faithful, teachable, enthused about the things of God, and responsive to leadership. And these are all qualities to look for in faithful workers in chair three. Woo. <laughs> I think it's really helpful to see a specific example of what it looked like for Jesus' own disciples um, to follow Jesus in their real lives. And even when they were tired and things weren't going their way and they were a little bit grumpy, they still obeyed and they still said yes when it didn't make sense. And then Jesus worked a miracle. So we would do well to echo their same posture of being available, faithful, obedient, teachable, enthusiastic, and responsive. 
after Jesus' resurrection and right before he ascended back into heaven, he really clearly told his disciples that their mission, and by extension our mission, is to go into all the world preaching the gospel. So how do we do that? Because that's the call on every believer. Uh, That's the call of someone in chair three, not just for pastors or spiritual superstars. The call to maturing in Christ and sharing the gospel is for all believers. So the very first step on this journey is to pray. Ask God to prepare people to cross your path so that you can speak into their lives. Ask God to give you courage and boldness and the right words to say at the right time and the things not to say. Ask God for eyes to see the opportunities that he brings your way. And trust that God is the one doing behind-the-scenes work of drawing people to himself. And thank him for including you in the process. And keep on faithfully praying for those chair one friends and family that you guys were talking about earlier this week. And the second thing to do is throw a line. Unless you're in that boat that we watched this morning, you're probably not going to catch many fish without actually fishing. The same thing is true with people. If you aren't trying to tell them about Jesus, how are they going to know about Jesus? So look for a person of peace. And what I mean by that is someone that the Holy Spirit is already drawing to himself that you get to come alongside. So if you're not quite sure how to find a person of peace, we'll get to that. We're going to look right now at an example of Philip, who was one of Jesus' disciples. Ethan talked about him on Tuesday. Remember, he told his friend Nathaniel, come and see who this Jesus is. We're getting to follow up with another story of Philip. Um, this is after Jesus has died and resurrected and ascended back into heaven. And so the disciples are going out and they're just preaching the gospel. Um, and so in Acts chapter 8, Um, we see Philip, this time not with a friend, but with a stranger. And so, starting at verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that leads down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. He was obedient immediately. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. Okay, so someone, God told him to go here, And then there was someone that God had prepared. There's this person of peace. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip is attuned to the Holy Spirit. I know that in this passage we're like, an angel actually talked to him. Well, yeah, I would obey too if an angel actually talked to me. Um, But we all have promptings from the Holy Spirit. Um, that these nudges are these things that we feel. So obey them, follow them, even if it feels a little bit uncomfortable. So Philip obeyed by going where he was told to go, and then he was ready. So he ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. He asked a really simple question. Hey, I see that you're reading the book of Isaiah. Do you understand what it is that you're reading? And the eunuch answers, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. So he just, Philip just built on this opportunity. Great, I would love to come and share with you what you're reading. Um, And so the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading was a passage about Jesus. 
Um, and it was like this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants where his life was taken from the earth? And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And so then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Jesus is the one who was led like a sheep to the slaughter, who was fully innocent, but his life was cut off from him for our sake. And so he started right where the eunuch was at, right where the man was at with the question that he had, and then was able to share the gospel with him. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand on the way of my being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then they went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. That quick, this eunuch had questions. Philip met him, said, Hey, do you want to know what you're reading about? Yes, tell me. Philip presented the gospel, and the eunuch said, Yes. I believe, let's be baptized right now, step one. They baptize him, and now Philip, and now this eunuch can go and say, look at this thing that I learned and my life has been changed. And Philip goes on um, to share the gospel with more and more people. Because everyone is a person of influence. Everyone has people in their lives who will see that change takes place, but I'm jumping ahead a little bit. So how can you recognize a person of peace how did Philip know that the eunuch was ready? Well, the Holy Spirit and an angel told him, so that was lucky. But he also was obedient, and he just asked a question. If, he, if the eunuch was like, no, nah, man, I'm good. I'm just reading because I'm trying to fall asleep out here. <laughs> it's a long ride, and I think this is boring, and it'll put me to sleep. Then Philip would be like, all right, great. I'll just keep going. Maybe the Holy Spirit has someone else for me. But, but this man was ready, and so he was a person of peace, ready to hear the gospel. And so... It's just like when you go fishing, not all fish bite. And you're not mad at them, <laughs> I hope. That's just, that's fine. You just keep trying. You keep casting your line. And so a person of peace is someone who will ask you more when you, when you throw the line. And they'll be curious and they'll ask some questions. So here are some examples of a, a line that you might be able to really naturally throw out. Like, well, I chose to go to Eden because of the Christian programming that's offered by the Spiritual Life Center. Or, I was just reading about this, fill in the blank, in my Bible this morning. Or, I go to youth group or church. Or, in chapel this morning, they talked about. Or, at Bible study at lunch today, I learned. Or, even just, I'm praying for you. These are really simple comments that you can slip into your daily interactions with others. And if they're not interested, just keep moving on. That's fine. Uh, you don't need to push it. But if they're curious and they ask more, what do you mean by that? What, what is that about for you? Then continue the conversation wherever it leads. And the Holy Spirit is the one who prepares people's hearts to be curious and to want more. And your responsibility is just be faithful in casting that line and be prepared if someone bites. Or you could uh, recognize a person of peace when they approach you, <laughs> like those fish in that video this morning jumping into the boat. Um, and maybe someone says, hey, what makes you so happy all the time? Or they say, I know that your life isn't always easy, but you just seem to have peace. How do you, where does that come from? And in 1 Peter 3.15, it says to always be ready with gentleness and respect to share the reason for the hope that you have. 
So be prepared to share your story and the story of what God has done for you. Have any of you heard of I Am Second? Is anyone? A few of you? No, not too many. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a multimedia movement. Does, do you recognize that picture? Does that? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a nonprofit organization that's designed to inspire people to put Jesus Christ first and themselves second in their lives. And in Quebec, a man named Jean-Francois felt called to quit his high-paying job to start the French version of I Am Second, Je Suis Deuxième. And a while after he had done so, he was invited to teach a group of people at the municipal government offices um, about the industry that he'd previously worked in. So when he got to the meeting, he just briefly introduced himself, sharing why he was qualified to teach them based on his work experience. And then he also mentioned how he no longer works in that field because he quit it to start a nonprofit called Je Suis Deuxième. After that little comment, he just went on to teach what he had been asked to teach for the next few hours. We're going to come back to the story in a bit. So the next step is sharing your own story. Sometimes that word is called testimony. After you've thrown a line and someone is curious about God, it's really wise to start with your own story. It's not wrong to say, well, the Bible says this, or I believe that, but your own story is compelling, and people will be encouraged to hear what Jesus means to you and why it matters in your own life. Because if you can't talk about the difference Jesus has made in your life, then why would someone else be compelled or be inspired to want him? So there are a few different lenses that we can look through to have these sorts of gospel conversations. So keep your ears open to listen for the hurt or the need of the person that you're talking to, because that might help you shape how you share your own story. So the first approach is similar to what I did yesterday in chapel, explaining your story as a sinner in need of a savior. And while this is true of all of us, it may not be the biggest need that someone is feeling in that moment. Maybe someone's biggest need is that they feel lonely and like they don't belong. So you can share your story of how God has adopted you into his family, that he chose you, and that you know you always belong to him. Or maybe someone has a conflict in their lives and they're just longing for peace. You could speak to how Jesus brings peace and how he reconciles in relationship with God and how we can also live at peace with each other. Or maybe someone has really deep wounds and they're hurt, and they're broken. You can share about how God created us to be healthy and whole, and how Jesus himself was hurt and broken and wounded so that we can be healed. Someone else may be experiencing injustice, and they're angry, and they're longing for victory over evil. And you can share that that's God's heart too, that he hates injustice, and that Jesus' work on the cross means that evil does not win in the end. Or someone's life may seem fine. They just haven't really considered their purpose. You can talk about how Jesus gives our lives meaning, and they become about more than just ourselves and making ourselves feel good, and that true significance is found in Jesus. So I thought I would just share a quick example from my own life of um, sharing my story through one of these lenses. When I was in my early 20s, I moved out to Calgary for school, and I didn't really know anyone, and I felt lonely, so I prayed that God would help me find good friends and a community. And I got connected with a church and made friends, which was so great. And I knew that I belonged and that I mattered to them. 
But what was really cool about it too was that this group wasn't just focused on themselves, but was really intentional about reaching out to their community and created opportunities for us to get to know our neighbors and serve people who were in need. So not only did I find a place to belong and a kind of family when mine was so far away, but I also got to be a part of caring for others and inviting them to belong too. Really random, but even one of those friends that I'm talking about there, I have a FaceTime call with her tonight. You know, I haven't seen her in I don't know how many years, but we're still friends, and I think that's a beautiful thing in God's family. So when you share your testimony or your story, you don't need to share your whole life story. <laughs> Just share a relevant moment and point to God at work in your life. So going back to Jean-Francois, after his presentation, three people came up to him after and were like, so wait, why did you quit your high-paying job to start a nonprofit? What is that all about? And so he was able to really briefly share his story. So if you do that and people respond by saying, hey, that's cool for you, but I'm not really interested in that for me, that's okay. Sometimes uh, when you throw a pebble into a pond, it disappears, but the ripple effect continues, and you don't even know how far it may reach. So you just keep doing your part and trust that God will do the rest. For Jean-Francois, in a room full of 50 or 100 people, only three people were curious to ask more. And after he shared his story, two of them were like, good for you, dude. That is not for me. I can't believe you seem a little bit crazy, but good on you. Uh, but one of them wanted to know more. And so if someone's still hungry, if they're still, still curious and they want to know more, then share the gospel. Share Jesus with them. When you're presenting the gospel to someone biblically illiterate, be clear. Don't use Christianese language that they won't understand. You can use the acronym that I did yesterday, um, that gospel acronym, that just really clearly delineates what it is. And bring them to Jesus. Before you bring them to church or youth group, bring them to Jesus. They, that's who they need to encounter. And if you feel nervous about it, um, there's a really great app, Je suis deuxième has an app that literally walks someone through the whole gospel, so it does it for you. Um, and the last step is once someone chooses to follow Jesus, teach them how to then share their story and share the gospel because they're all going to be a person of influence. There are going to be people in their lives who look at them and say, what changed? <laughs> like, why don't you do fill in the blank anymore? Because Jesus is going to be transforming their life. And so you teach them how to share their stories of what Jesus has done for them. So with Jean-Francois, this one lady stuck around and said, tell me more, and he shared the gospel with her over coffee. And she was like, yes, that is what I want. And she went home, and her life was changed, and her family and friends were like, whoa, you are different. I see peace in you. I see joy in you. That was not there before. Did she ask Jean-Francois to then share, share the gospel with her friends and family? No, he doesn't know them. That wouldn't make any sense. She did it herself because... Her friends and family are seeing the change in her life. And so he showed her how she could share the gospel with others. And so that's what we're called to do, that each one of us reaches out to one to teach them to reach another one. And that's how we multiply and grow disciples of Jesus. Because we want more and more people to hear the good news and to experience the life-changing grace of Jesus. When your life has been changed, when you've had an encounter with Jesus, it's natural that you want others to experience him too. So pray that God will bring a person of peace your way and continue to pray for your chair one friends by name. Look for opportunities to throw a line and have spiritual conversations and be ready to share your story. And be prepared to share the gospel and teach someone else how to share it too. Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us, that you rescue us, that you care about the details of our lives. 
Thank you that you long for us to be healed and made whole in Jesus and that you offer that to us freely. So we pray that your spirit would be at work drawing us to yourselves and that we would take the next step of faith moving forward wherever we are at right now on our journey. We put our trust in you today, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Um, Today at lunch, we've got senior guys meeting for the foundry. Tomorrow it will be senior girls and celebrate you. If you haven't signed up yet, uh, go ahead and do that now. Have a great day, everyone.